What's happening team? Welcome to the Type 1 Movement Podcast where I'm going to be sharing with you my tips, tricks and stories to help you lead the healthiest life possible as a Type 1 diabetic. I'm your host, Type 1 Tom. Just a quick disclaimer, any advice that I give will not overpower your medical professional, so please consult with them first if you're thinking of making any changes. Yes, team, welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Movement Podcast. Thanks for being here today. If you're a regular listener and you subscribe, thank you. If you've not subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. And also, if you're new, this is your first episode, thank you, I hope... Well, I know that you will get some value from this and make sure like a lot of people do to go back to episode one and binge watch all them as well. So before we get started, guys, please leave me a rating and a review on the podcast app as it really does help me reach more type 1 diabetics and positively impact our community. Also, we're just saying to the guys on YouTube then, because when I do these podcasts, team, I go live on YouTube, I go live on Facebook and live on Instagram. So if you've not got me on YouTube, head over to YouTube, type in type 1 Tom hit subscribe because I'm going to start to like try and grow my channel over the coming months. I'm going to be doing some vlogs and stuff like that. So make sure that you go and subscribe to my YouTube channel. So today's episode, we're going to actually, before we get started, before we get started, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. So I was sat here this morning and I was looking at my vision board. Now guys, if you don't know what a vision board is, it's basically something that you create at the start of the year. I suppose you could do it halfway through the year. And it's like, what you want to achieve in, in that year, yeah? So I always categorize my goals into three categories, like wealth, health, and relationships. So I've got those as like headings on my vision board. It's a cork board. And at the start of this year, 2021, I printed off pictures of things I wanted to achieve. And recently, I've been like, yeah, you know when you kind of lose, lose your way a little bit or you lose that drive? So I was looking at my vision board and, and things I want to achieve. And I was looking at someone, I was like, well, I've achieved this, I've achieved this. And that kind of started to make me feel a little bit better. But then I was like, right, well, there's other things that I want to achieve. So today, this morning, I've spent updating my vision board, sticking extra things on it that I want to complete and achieve before the end of this year. And you know what? That's really, really helped me kind of reignite my fire, if you like, to what I want to get out of this year. So little moral of this story is if you ever feel like you you know your goals, you're achieving things, but you're getting a little bit lost um, and you're not to, you, you lose that fire a little bit, add some more shit in there to get that spark going again. Add some more stuff in there to get that spark going again. I think I actually did a full podcast episode. Um, I'm not sure which number it is about a vision board and goal setting. So it's something that I highly recommend. I recommend it to all my clients because it's just, it goes to, it's meant to be the, the, the fucking power of manifestation, but I, like, I don't believe in, in some of that shit, but I do believe if you have a visual image of what you want to achieve and you keep thinking about it, your actions are going to align with that. And there's a high probability that you're going to get that, you're going to achieve that goal in opposed to not, and it just being in your head and you're forgetting when shit gets a little bit tough. So a little bit of a story there for you guys before we get into this episode, which is going to be five things that I do if I could go back to my diagnosis period, like when I was diagnosed. So I was diagnosed at 21 years old, I'm 34 at the time of recording this, and I know not everyone's diagnosed that late, or some people diagnose as toddlers, with type one and some people are born with it but i wanted to share like five things i'd do if i could go back to my diagnosis period now before i start this like guys i have got no regrets at all with how i handled things when i was diagnosed no regrets because i believe certain things happen for a reason everything's got comes in due course and due time 
But I still wanted to share these five things with you guys as I believe that they're going to be valuable to you. They're going to be valuable to you. And these five things are going to be applicable if you're newly diagnosed or if you've been type 1 for like 40 odd, 50 odd years. It doesn't matter. These five things that I'm going to share with you are still going to be applicable to you. So we're going to get straight into it now. The first thing is, the first thing is, I, and this is something that I don't regret, but let's go. I wish I would have started working out sooner. Now, if you know my story, it took me three or four months to actually work out. And exercise was my life. Like I'd trained in the gym since I was 16, but when I got to 21, diagnosed as type 1, managed to kind of get my levels under control. But I spent three or four months kind of doing that. And then I was like, without exercise, I completely cut exercise out. And then I was like, man, I'm not going fucking exercising. I'm not going to go and work out at the gym because I don't know what it's going to do to my levels. And it took me three or four months to actually get out my own way and go and exercise because I loved exercising. So I kind of, I don't like using the same wish, but I should have started doing that sooner. I didn't and I learned from it. I should have started doing that, that, that sooner though. And I think... That would have allowed me to learn more much quicker. Yeah, learn more much quicker. Not that I didn't learn when I started doing it. Same with you guys, but it would allow me to learn much quicker. I could have had a fucking three or four month head start. So that'd be my tip to you. Like if you're not working out, you're scared of working out, you're trying to work out and you're getting highs, you're getting lows. Like first thing is make sure you're actually working out. Second thing is stick with it because it's all a learning curve. Like, stick with it. Like I say, like, looking back, I do wish that I wouldn't have waited that long. I did. But it would have allowed me to learn a bit more about working out and managing glucose levels a lot sooner. So that's the first thing. The second thing is something that I actually did, team, and it's something that I do recommend. And this is experimented with different ways of eating. Now, I have done so many different diets, like, through being a coach so I can understand what they do. But also for being a type 1 diabetic as well. So I've gone low carb. You know, all you fuckers know what that is. I've gone keto. Um, I've done intermittent fasting. Um, what else have I done? I've never done Weight Watchers. I've never done Slimming World. I fucking never will because I've never agreed with them. That's just my personal opinion. But I've tried so many different ways of eating. Um, I was vegetarian a couple of years ago. I was vegan as well. So I went veggie and I took it one step further. I went vegan. So I've tried so and experimented with so many different ways of eating to understand and see what they're going to do to me in terms of my blood glucose. Because I wanted that knowledge. Because if you've got clients coming to me who are that, I'm like, well, yeah, I've tried that and this is how I found, but let's work together and stuff like that. Like, So I wanted that knowledge and that's only going to come from experimenting. So I always say this to my clients, and I'll say this to you guys as well. Go and experiment with different ways of eating. If you've been stuck to a certain way of eating, go and experiment with different ways. Even if you're not planning on sticking to that long term, it's still going to give you some knowledge and some power and some fucking arsenal in your fucking diabetes bag, isn't it? Yeah? So experiment with different ways of eating. Like I said, this is some, something that I actually did. Um, from the main reason is I was intrigued. I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the power to, to know what these different ways of eating would actually do. I will always say this though, like if you find a way of eating and you think you can stick to that long-term, you're winning. But there's nothing wrong in straying the course, if you like, and going trying different ways of eating just to see what's going to go on. Just to see what's going to go on. The third thing, the third thing that I'd do if I could go back to diagnosis is... Pursue connections with other type 1 diabetics. 
I would have pursued, actively pursued connections with type 1 diabetics. Now, when I was diagnosed like 13 years ago, what have you now, uh, there was no Facebook community groups. There was no, there wasn't a big type 1 community on Instagram. There wasn't really many places you could go and chat with other type 1s. Luckily, now it's come on a lot. The only thing I remember is when I was seeing a specialist in the hospital, and they said, oh, we've got a group of of, of people, of type 1s that, that come in, and they, they do like a coffee, mo coffee morning thing and stuff like that. And they told me that they were quite old, and that there's no one really around in the 20s. There was maybe one or two, but they were quite old and stuff. And I didn't bother going to that. That was the only thing I really had. But I wish I would have probably like pushed and actively pursued connections with other type 1 diabetics a little bit more, tried to seek out other type 1s. Um, just to have that like connection and stuff with them. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing, the fourth thing is something that I'm actually fucking doing very well now and why you're here with me today. But I wish I would have started to do it a bit sooner, to be honest with you, team. And then and that shared and spoken about my experiences as a type 1 diabetic more. Because I'll be honest, for the first few years, unless it was friends and family and stuff, I didn't really share much with many people unless they asked me questions, and I didn't share much on social media as well. And at that time, there was, I know I said I should have pursued connections with type ones, but I still was trying to find out stuff and searching Facebook, and Instagram wasn't a huge platform then, or I was Googling things, and I couldn't find much on like being active with type 1 diabetes, certain ways of eating. I just couldn't find much about the condition, like whenever I searched. And I think then, if I would have been kind of documenting my journey upon diagnosis and sharing my experiences someone like me could have been searching they could have found that luckily I've changed that around today because I've got podcasts that is what I do coaching other type ones I've got Facebook groups I've got program I'm here today doing these videos for you guys so I'm making up for it now but back then I probably could have had a huge fucking backlog catalog sort of thing uh, 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 videos to remind me what it was, I could have watched them videos, do you know what I mean, of, of when I was first diagnosed to remind me. So I wish I probably should have shared and spoken about my experiences a little bit more. And this is something, I put this in for that reason, but to get across to you guys as well, team, because we all have a story as type ones, even as humans, but we all have a story, yeah? We all have a story and you don't know who you could reach out there and who you could positively impact and inspire by sharing your story. So never be afraid to post something about you being a type one, whether that be on your Instagram, on your Facebook, you're speaking to someone, whatever. Never be afraid to share your story. Someone will always get motivation and be inspired from it. Look at you guys with me and stuff. Yeah, yeah. there's probably people out there thinking Tom's a dick. Fair enough. Probably am at times. But the point is, there's people like you guys who are here listening to me and saying I'm inspirational and motivational to you or to your kids who are type ones. So share your stories as well, team, because that's going to inspire and motivate other people. Like, never be afraid to, to share your story. And this is one thing that I fucking love from my clients. I love seeing this from my clients. I've had so many clients who have started, after they've been in my program a bit, or finished my program, they've come out, and they've started speaking more openly about the type 1, about the diabetes, or they've created an Instagram profile to you know, educate and inspire other type 1 diabetics and, and impact the community like I'm doing. And I fucking love that. That's such a strong position to be in. So honestly, now, if these, if you're thinking, oh, yeah, but I don't really want to speak about it, and that, like, all right, if you don't, fair enough. But someone, you could be holding back so much stuff that someone could find really, really inspirational. So 
I wish I would have documented and shared and spoken about my experiences more upon my diagnosis period. And the last thing, team, the last thing is ask for help. Ask for help. Now, I remember because I'm an obsessive bastard, when I was first diagnosed, I did come away and I tried to find out so much information. I got my bloods in pretty fucking good control. Yeah, pretty good control. And I was only using like pens. I was on Glargine, Novarapid, um, and a finger prick because the pumps were around at the time then, but it was difficult to get. And there wasn't Libras. There wasn't really CGMs unless you was in America where the Dexcom was. I remember the first time I seen a Dexcom. I was like, what the fuck's that? To ask someone. But yeah, more to the point. Um, I used to go to like my appointments and stuff like that. And, and the uh, the endocrinologist, the DSNs, diabetic specialist nurses here in the UK was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd take them a diary and everything in. And they'd have a look through, they're like, yeah, yeah, you look like you're doing really well, well done. And that'll kind of be the end of the meeting. And I was like, right. And I was having to find out all this information from my, myself. And I suppose because they looked at me as being active and all that sort of stuff. And maybe like when they said about these groups that they had these coffee mornings, they thought, oh, it's the older people that aren't that active and struggling. It'll be all right. He's young, do you know what I mean? He seems like he's proactive in, in learning about the condition. We'll kind of leave him to it. That's how I felt. So I didn't really ask many questions to these like sort of specialists. And I didn't reach out to anyone really and, and ask for help. And you know what? I probably did need it at the time. Yes, I dug my fucking heels in and I learned a lot by trying different things and self-educating and stuff like that myself. But hey, I probably could have reached out and spoke to other type ones or asked more questions and stuff or just reached out and asked for help. Because I think we all need help at times, right? We can't go through this on our own. Like even me, like, that's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing and with my clients and sharing these. Like, this helps me as much as it helps you guys as well. So I just, I that's one thing I do wish. If we go back to diagnosis, I wish I would have probably pushed and asked a little bit more for help. And there's something that I do want to get across on this, guys, as well. And there's something that I get across from my clients. And I will say this. Now, we're on the topic of endocrinologists, you know, endos, DSNs, whatever professional you're seeing for your, your diabetes management I would always say if there's something that you want help with or you want a certain bit of tech or stuff like that, ask and push. I've learned that over the years now when I started asking a little bit more and doing what I'm doing. Ask and push. Like This is your condition at the end of the day. If you want to know something, ask. If you want a different insulin or you want something that's going to help you, fucking ask and push it. Ask and push it. Because there's no reason why you can't have these, these things or have answers to the questions that you've got. Ask and push, yeah, because this is your condition at the end of the day and you don't get nowhere in this life unless you fucking ask, yeah? If you never ask, the answer is always no. If you ask a question to a specialist and you're not sure on what they're saying back to you, ask them to explain their reasoning behind it. If you ask for a certain bit of uh, a certain insulin or something to help you manage it and they say no, ask for the reason why. Ask and push. I've had clients who have done this and it's been a no and then they've gone back and said, well, look... I know that I could get this, this, and this, and these people I'm doing a program, like my program, these people that are on this, and they've actually gotten that, what they've wanted to. It could be, like, I've had half a unit pens, we've had different sorts of insulin, we've had CGMs and stuff. Like, so go and push and ask. You don't get anywhere unless you're pushing and not asking. Yeah, because you got to remember, you're under the care, and same with me, of so many different type ones for these nurses that... <laughs> I hate saying this, but a lot of the time you're looked at as just a number, which is unfortunate, but that's the way the system is sometimes. So you need to stand out, you need to ask and push. So guys, I'm going to recap towards the end now, five things 
that I'd do if I could go back to when I was first diagnosed. First thing is started working out sooner and got out my own fucking way and not waited three or four months. The second thing, which I did actually do, is experiment with different ways of eating. Third thing is actively pursued connections with other type 1 diabetics. Number four, shared and spoken about my experiences more, even though I'm, I'm making up for that now. But like I said, I could have had a, a backlog sort of fucking catalogue of posts and videos upon me being diagnosed and stuff. That would have been mega to look back on. So, and something to inspire you guys as well. Like, start speaking about your, yourself as a type one in your journey and stuff. Document it. Years down the line, you're going to be able to look back. And number five is asked for help. Team, that is it. If you got value from this episode, please leave me a rating and a review on the podcast app as it really does help me reach more type 1 diabetics and positively impact our community. Guys, I just want to say how much I appreciate you being here and listening to this, watching this if you're watching this on the live, listening to this if you're listening on the podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast app as well, like I said at the start. Go over to my YouTube channel, Type 1 Tom. Hit like on some of the videos, help me promote the channel, hit subscribe because I really do appreciate that team. And thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me or to watch me. I really do appreciate you. That is it for this episode. That is it. Until the next episode, team. Peace. <laughs>